a real deal. I'll shoot your liver out and hand it to you. so that I can be on top of Jim. I like being up. Kick your sexual yeah, that's out of it. I'm, I'm carrying you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jim. Uh, I like to be above Jim because that, that makes me feel like he's he's carrying me. He's a he's a good, he's a very good Robin him. Yeah, got strong shoulders to carry a not desperate Batman. <laughs> what a guy, what a guy. All right, uh, we had way, 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 way too much to talk about on Tuesday to get it all in. And then Emily jumping in and chatting with us for a little while was phenomenal, but it put us even farther behind track. So uh, we're back to talk about part two, and this was always going to be planned. We were, we were going to do this regardless because there's just so much news out there. And we, uh, we took a week off while I was traveling. So here we are. We are back with part two, and we are going to start off with Melina Mike, who is actually on site in South Carolina for the Diamond event at the Omega Billiards Diamond event. So, uh, Mike, why don't you take us through what it's like being there right now? Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. You're uh, basically in the middle of nowhere, right? Middle of nowhere, USA. <laughs> but you got uh, uh, world-class players all around right in front of me. Uh, Billy Thorpe and Justin Hall are playing banks. It's, kinda, it's, got, a, um, it's got a derby kind of feel to it. Uh, action starting to build up a little bit. Last night, uh, Roberto Gomez picked up right where he left off from the uh, Predator event out in Michigan. Snapped off the 10-ball event, which was filled with Monsters, Monsters. reigning world 10-ball champion, Shane Van Boning, Fader Gores, Joshua Filler. The reigning 10-ball uh, champion went two and out. Two and out. How strong is that, right, with the template? Yeah, so, that'll tell you how tough that tournament is. Yeah. Got three uh, fouled out of the tournament, didn't he? By a one-pocket player, boys. You want to learn how to move? Play one pocket. Cool yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tony can get there, man. Watch out. Tony can get there uh, with rotation. But anyway, uh, yeah, the Banks is, is starting to go in shape up. Uh, we're going to have a um, a mixed doubles event start tonight, so that should be fun, which will include uh, the Black Widow. So I'm excited about that. Fans are excited about that. Uh, there you go. Representing. Um, and then, of course, my favorite, the one pocket starts, the Calcutta, and I think the uh, first or second round will go on. So it's been great, man. Tiring, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. Good to be here. Yeah, it, the, uh, <clears throat> we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later, but we'll probably actually probably hold off on South Carolina mostly for next week uh, since it's going to be going on. But as you said, uh, Roberto Gomez snaps off the 10 ball. That's a pretty good showing for him. He, uh, he went from second place last week in the, the Michigan to first place in this 10-ball event. Pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So uh, we're going to talk. Now we're going to move it over to Mike Pinozo, who I want to talk about the, uh, the Black Widow news that uh, he got from her agent. Because like you said, uh, Melina Mike, she is on site and she is playing for the first time since her diagnosis. If I'm not mistaken, it's the first time since her diagnosis. So uh, I think it's pretty exciting stuff, and I think we should take a little time and talk about it. So go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no, it's it's great news. Um, uh, it's typically typical uh, inspiring stuff from Jeanette. That's what she, she majors in is, is inspiration. Um, I think she looked at it as an opportunity to get out there and uh, – 
do what she loves, which is play pool. I mean, it's still what drives her, what she loves to do. And she's going to, you know, uh, play in the um, doubles event. I think she's uh, teaming with Billy Thorpe. Yeah, Billy Thorpe. Right, right. right. And, um, and she'll play in the women's event as well. Uh, she doesn't have high expectations for how she's going to perform. Uh, but just that she's out there. I mean, I, th- I think it's therapy as much as anything else. Uh, for her I bet she still runs up from everywhere. And, <laughs> she, I hope so. Um, you know, it's if it's like riding a bike. You know, then she'll, she'll be fine. Um, but just you know, just great news. I think it worked out well that it was in uh, South Carolina because that's uh, an easy enough drive for her. I know that there was an event that she had been scheduled for almost a year to go to that was a flying trip and she just wasn't up for that uh so that she could make you know she, she could make a, a three four hour drive whatever it is to south carolina and playing this event is is great and i think it'll be inspirational for every you know i don't know what it was like there last night mike when she walked into the room uh but it had to give a lot of people goosebumps and and uh just you know it had to be just a feel-good moment for everybody right yeah, it, it absolutely was. She kind of, she glows, man. You know, she's a superstar, and she's an ambassador for the game. The face of pool for so many years, along with maybe, you know, Efren, but Budweiser commercials, Budweiser posters. I remember being a kid and walking into a pool room and seeing her on there. and um, Her story, I just thinking about it, I'm getting goosebumps, but her story is just pretty remarkable. The battle she's had, the way that she's faced it publicly, and kind of been a face and, and shared her her um, her accomplishments and her struggles. I tell you, like the whole room kind of stopped whenever she walked in. At least at least it did for me. Uh, but I was still like I was starstruck, you know. Uh, and it ended have you met her pretty... before? No, never. Oh, she's never incredibly met. humble too. Yeah. Oh, I tell you, like I, I started off by telling you guys this off air, but so last night there was some gambling going on. Uh, Christina Takash played Pia Filler. And then at this point, it's like 1 a.m. Or, or 12.30 or so. And then Christina and April Larson were going to go and play. So they decided to play a race to nine. And I'm sitting there, and I'm sweating, and I'm on the other side of the room. And all of a sudden, I'm looking. And right in front of their score, which is right in front of the table, is Jeanette Lee sitting there, quiet, no movement, just watching every ball. She didn't miss one break, one rack, didn't get up, didn't do nothing. Just sat there and watched the entire match. And just when I saw that, like, kind of like a young generation and, and, and passing of the torch, so to speak, right? But she's still there as a pool fan. She just, it it's in her, it's in her blood, you know? And this is at, at 3 a.m. I'm 35 years old, man. I was on fumes at 3 a.m. <laughs> she's still there. And then as she's walking out, right, I'm like, uh, ma'am, can I, can I get a picture with you? <laughs> didn't miss a beat, absolutely. Smiled, just fantastic. It was. Wait, you didn't strong arm her like, hey, I'm Melina Mike. Why don't you take a picture with <laughs> me? You didn't no. do that? No, no, not at all. No. She didn't no. ask you? I mean, come on. Yeah, right? No. I'll, t- I'll tell you one, one other story and then, and then I'll pass it on. But um, so Omega Mike had reached out to me like uh, a week and a half ago and he was like, Mike, I got some big news. There's a chance that Jeanette Lee's going to be coming here. And he's like, and I'm so excited. And I can just feel the enthusiasm in his messages. And uh, I was super excited. He says, you know what, Mike? I've, I've won and lost a lot of money on pool. Gambling, putting players in, putting on gambling matches all over the world. He's like, 
this has made me more excited with the fact that she's coming back to play in this event than anything I've ever won or any business I've ever been that's successful, anything in my entire life. This means more to me than any of that. And that's the kind of person I'll make with my kids as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's just, it, like I say, it's, it's therapeutic for her and, and good, you know, had to be good for her soul just to sit there and watch because she's, you know, she, she loves sweating match. She loves watching pool, even if she's not playing. Yeah. I mean, you know, she used to be, she was, she won the uh, action title at Derby City one year because, you know, there was, you know, she was up all night gambling and playing or whatever. So she just, she loves the game that much. And, um, and it's just fantastic that she's, that she's out there um, participating and, and it's great that everybody gets to see her as well. There must have been also there must have been quite a quite a moment for Christina and um, April as well to be setting up their match and they go there and they look over and who do they see sitting watching the entire match? Yeah, sure. Oh, that, probably, that, that, that probably gave a little bit of an extra edge to the match as well. They'd have been feeling it. They'd have been thinking, "Oh, hold on a minute, <laughs> the Queen's here. Royal royalty is here watching us play." Yeah. You might yeah, have to go change the pressure. Your on. She's sat down to watch you, Jim. Hmm? Yeah. You might have to go change your pants if she sat down to watch you play. <laughs> oh, I'd go and sit beside her. I'd give my game up. Just go and sit beside her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, but that but that moment, like, and there was maybe like 30 people in the room, but I realized that like, she's back, man. And she's just sitting there like the rest of us, just enjoying a great pool match that nobody yeah, ever saw. Because it wasn't great to hear. Just, yeah, great to hear. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah, just, just sweating it out, right? Yeah. Just like a yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah, interesting to see how she plays. You know, it's not really, it's, it's kind of a side issue kind of thing, how she plays. She'll just be glad to be on the table. Yeah. But like me, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if she's still pretty strong, to be fair. I mean, you don't, you don't just lose it, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I bet you, that's why I'm, I wasn't kidding when I said I bet she runs off from everywhere. Yeah. She'll be so happy to be playing. Yeah. Yeah. It'll no just pressure. be a, it'll just be just be a matter of stamina. You know, yeah. yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm sure she still hits the ball straight. Well, I'll say yeah. this. Uh, she has the perfect partner for stamina because uh, Billy has a way of just, like, injecting energy into anybody he's around. He really does. Yeah, yeah. He'll keep it lively. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's perfect for the Moscone Cup, uh, whether he's playing well or whether he's playing bad because he has a way of getting that crowd involved and getting that crowd jacked up. And the U.S. really needs it a lot of the times because even you know, even when it's in Vegas, that crowd is 50-50 at best for the U.S. And in London, you're, you're talking 85-15 to 95-5. It, it's it's almost all European fans. We need Billy's uh, his energy to get... Every team needs that kind of character. It needs one of those guys in the team. Every yeah. team needs it. You, you, even, the, even the European teams, they need, they need somebody that will get the crowd going, somebody that, that the crowd can, you know... Re- not so much relate to, but they, they can feed off it, you know? Yeah. You feed yeah. off that energy. And if you don't have that energy in the team, then you won't really get the energy from the crowd either. So, uh, you know, but Billy's kind of that for the USA. Um, Jason's probably that for the, for, for Europe kind of thing. Gets the crowd riled up. Yeah. yeah. And Josh. Josh is pretty good at that too. Yeah. They're important players. Important players. It's more than what they just do on the table, you know? Yeah. All right, well, let's get uh, let's get jumping into what we're going to cover today. We're going to start with the Diamond Las Vegas Open because uh, chronologically that was the, the, the longest one ago. And uh, Kunlin Wu ends up beating Omar Al-Shaheen. So Omar, Omar Al-Shaheen continues his hot run this year. He's been playing really strong pool. Uh, third, place goes to, or, uh, yeah, third place goes to Shane Van Boning and uh, Dennis Graba. Pretty good finish for Dennis Graba. Uh, Mike, 
You able to uh, turn the gain down a little bit on your microphone, maybe? I could try, man. I'm sorry. There's a speaker right here. Maybe I can mute it in the meantime. Yeah, it's like jamming. We're jamming out just a little mic. It sounds like Korean love music, man. Yeah, it doesn't really, it doesn't really sound like pilgrim music, to be it honest. Or K-pop. <laughs> yeah, so, it sounds like uh, Korean love music, man. I'm telling yeah, are you. Are you sure you're really at the pill hall? You know, at some sort of massage parlor or something? Hey, it's Martin. Oh, who's, that, who's that ugly man? <laughs> he can't hear you. My main man. He can't Martin. hear us. That's all right. We can say whatever we want about him. He can't, he can't talk yeah. back. What's up, everybody? Hello, Hello. Martin. All right, so uh, Martin is uh, the manager for a lot of the Polish players. So uh, (laughs) Conrad and uh, Mieszko and uh, Victor, he's the manager for a lot of those players. He's also doing a lot of great stuff with his uh, his Facebook page. He streams a lot of the matches, the Dirty City Classic. So make sure to follow and like that page on Facebook. Pretty good uh, follow there. And let's get back, I guess, to the results. We have... uh, Yep, third and fourth goes to Shane Van Boning and uh, Dennis Graba. And fifth through eighth goes to Victor Zolinski and Jesus Intensio. Great tournament. Probably the best tournament finish, I would say, in a major event for uh, Jesus that he's had, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Joshua Filler and uh, Roland Garcia. And then we'll go to ninth through twelfth as well because, you know, why not? And that goes to Chris Reinhold, Ralph Suquet, still getting it done, Jovan Bustamante, uh, Nayuki Yoi, Jung Ling Chang, Aloysius Yap, Francisco Sanchez Ruiz, and Jason Shaw. So uh, there's not too much maybe that we want to talk about for this. It's, it was quite a while ago. Um, Kunlin Wu, that's a great tournament for him. Obviously, he snaps it off. Uh, is there any big takeaways that anybody has? Um, I think, you know, for me, it was, you know, that was the kickoff for, um, you know, the Yap. Oi and uh, and um, uh, Chua kind of run through the next two or three events that they were all in. Um, you know, especially Oi and Yeah, uh, they you know that was that was the start to their runs and and and, and Omar as well, obviously. Uh, you know, they were all in the thick of everything from that point on over the next three or four tournaments. So. Um, the other takeaway from that is that I'd like to discuss with you guys not so much current results, but um, the format and the uh, you know the future of the the Predator Tour relative to the players who are playing that. I mean, we obviously saw a lot of people not real crazy about the race to four, you know, uh, format, and saw Shane and you know a couple of guys come out of that and basically say. No, I'm pulling out of the rest of these yeah, they events. Pull out of the rest of them. Oh, I just want to do this. And just wonder what everybody's thoughts are on that. Well, uh, I mean, I guess when you have the Predator 10 ball event in Vegas and it's back to back with this event, I think it's okay because if you look at this field, um, this which was the race to four, I mean, even the, the names that I didn't put in afterwards, you have Huncher Lombardo, Kang Lee. This is, so I guess this is seven, 17 through 32nd. Kang Lee, uh, James Aranis, Chia Chen Soy, uh, Edgy Geronimo, Daniel Schneider, Carlo Beato, Fedor Gorst, uh, Albin Ocean, Torsten Homan, uh, Carlos Casto, uh, Alex Kazakis, Tyler Steyer, Marco Tauscher, Dennis Arcoyo, Corey Duell. I mean, those are the. There, there, there was a lot. <laughs> yeah, those are the players that all finished 17 through 26. Uh, no, 17th no, or 32nd. arguing the strength of the field, and 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 like you well, said, a lot of well, this is based on the fact that the World Ten Ball was was immediately following. 
Yeah, uh, so, so this is why I was going to say the, the format for Michigan, team. these players didn't show up. Yeah. I mean, some of them were there, but not many of those, probably half of those players were there. I mean, just looking at it, uh, it Corey Duell wasn't was there, Euro Jason Shaw. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it basically was, right? I mean, uh, Mark Tosher wasn't there. They were already there. in the country, so, um, you know, they were all sticking around for a couple yeah. of weeks, and, and so they were gone. But I, I would have I hated to see what the Michigan tournament would have turned out to be you know, had the Europeans not already been here for yeah. the U.S. Open and the World Ten Ball, so if the players uh, weren't and, waiting for the the International Open, yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of, um, uh, I think that there's some decisions that need to be made, you know, by Predator. I mean, I, I, I uh, commend them for for you know trying to come up with a format that uh, does a couple of things. I mean, you know, they're they're not philanthropists; they're, they're in this to in enhance their brand and, and, you know, drive business through that as well. So they are trying to come up with ways that uh, make events a little more um, exciting and a little more unpredictable and a little more fan friendly. So I understand I'm saying, okay, we're going to think out of the box and do something a little differently, but you can't argue with the fact that there's a lot of players that are going to turn their back on this. And, and so what happens going forward? I mean, I, you know, the Ohio event, I imagine there's still enough Europeans still in the country driving around waiting for Norfolk and the international to come up that that, that field will be okay. But um, I think there's some, there's some, there's some questions that need to be addressed going forward. Do you guys agree? Yeah, Jim, yeah. go ahead. No, like anything else, any new tour or tournament or whatever that's set up by whoever it is, whether it's one of the big dogs like Fred or by anybody else, you are dependent on the support of the players. And if the players don't support it, then you're going to be struggling, you know. And, um, yeah, the, the, the timing of the events, any event that you put in, any 10-ball event that you manage to get uh, scheduled before the World 10-ball is going to be full of everybody, you know. Any 9-ball event that you can uh, get uh, a week before the International Open or the US Open is going to be full as well. It doesn't really matter what the tournament is and who it is. Uh, and Predator are not going to get Predator, you know, as much as they do. The players are not just going to play just because it's a, a Predator event. It's going to have to work with their schedule. It's going to have to work with their traveling plans. It's going to have to be financially viable for them. And if European players are having to come over to the USA to play one of the, the, the Predator tour events, and it has to be an individual event for them, there's nothing else for them to come over for other than that event. Not and it financially right. isn't viable for them. Yeah. Mike, your thoughts? The players don't like it at all. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's hard to go, it's hard to go and justify traveling that far in their mind to go and play race the four and with a, a rack that they go and, and deem, you know, gaffy. So uh, there's a lot of expenses, flights, hotels. You, I mean, you know, so. Uh, they want to get their money in better, it seems like. But from someone who has watched a lot of the events from home and watched, you know, the, the Vegas event, I haven't seen fans really get as excited there at the venue as I have with this type of event because the spot shots do make it exciting. People do go in and and join in around the tables, and not just with like uh, main names. I'm talking with like the Gersons of the world. You know, they're still standing around and watching and getting pretty deep. But there won't be success if the American players don't buy in because it's held here in America. So why would someone in middle in middle America? It's hard enough to get the fans there in general, 
but like if the skies and the chains of the world and the fillers of the world aren't there, it's going to be that much tougher to go and get any kind of fans in, um, in there. Uh, the one thing that I will say is, number one, they're putting their money where their mouth is, that being CSI and Predator. So if unless Americans want to go back to playing $2,000 added bar table events around the country, then to me it doesn't make sense to go and, and boycott it. Um, I think this is one of the instances where I think the promoter may know what's be- better for the overall game than the players themselves. Because when I, when I talk to Ozzy, he had numbers behind him where he was saying race to nine, just don't go and, and, and turn out. Like eyes don't go and tune in on the race to nine like they do in this format. So, I mean, just early on, right? Uh, now we'll see if it's sustainable throughout the length of the season. And they've already announced dates for next year as well. But including some disappointing. Europe. Yeah, it's disappointing though. And that's, and that's putting it mildly where you have guys traveling from all over the world who are traveling across the country now to go and play in it when the guys who are here domestically aren't even going and showing them any love. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's we, we, we kind of touched on it um, a couple of days ago when we were talking about Matchroom and the fact that, you know, they've probably been losing money, they've been leaking money uh, even while they're expanding, but they're not looking at the short term. Obviously, they're looking at the long term. It's about what it will be, you know, and what they can make it. And as Predator Tour, at the moment, the players can look at it and say, I'm not happy with how it is just now. But if they don't support it, it will never become something else, you know? Well, yeah, I think, if, I think if, actually... If, if it dies an early death, it never gets the chance to grow to something that could be something that everybody loves, including the US players. So, I mean, it, yes, if you're looking at the short-term thing right now, players are maybe not happy about it. But get your... Support it at the moment, support it, support it, and you don't know what it's going to be in the future. Yeah. Take away that guaranteed $15,000 at the end of the year that Matchroom goes and gives them. Take away those World Pool Masters spots that they go and give them. I guarantee you they'll be a lot more appreciative of $25,000 added events then. You know, put a little bit of heat on their ass and they will be. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, but right now they got options and they can just go and sit back and they know, hey, I don't got to go and spend, you know, $3,000. That's it. That that too, 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 too many of the players are... are, are are not prepared to invest in the sport. They think it's just it's just them, you know? What, it's all about what, what they are happening do. is more players who are hungrier are going to step in and they're going to become names. Yep. They're going to become bold. They're going to become popular. They're going to go and get fans. And at a certain point, they're going to wake up and they're going to be like a, an old USA player, old European player, and wondering how can, and being bitter about why they're not picked for a Moscone Cup anymore. Yep. Yeah. So, it's, it's perfect for players like... Uh, like Victor Zelinsky or Oliver Solnaki or um, yeah, or P.S. Labudis, like players like that that are going to all these and they're getting they're getting time on the stream tables, they're getting time in front of the fans, and they're getting the the ability to to get their name out there. Because whether the player whether the big players go and play in this or not, people are going to tune in because it's exciting. It, I mean, it really is. Now, now I'm gonna I've 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 often been a called a matchroom apologist. And I, I told you guys exactly why last week. I mean, I, I mean, I have. I've been, I've been, I've been called. I've been called a sellout. I've been called an apologist. I've been called soft. And at the end of the My day, bad. like I, I can, yeah, right. I continue. <laughs> I continue having match rooms back no matter what because they're the only people doing this, and there is actual change being seen. You can see that the players are getting slightly more professional. You can see that there are more eyes tuning into things. You can see that there's buzz going around these different events. As long as there can there continues to be change and there continues to be growth, I'll apologize all day long. I don't care. 
call me a sellout, whatever it is. But the moment that we stop seeing uh, you know, stuff, then we can start being a little bit more critical. But anyways, back to Predator. I'm, I'm, this is me again. I, I'm being a, a Predator apologist because I'm seeing that they're they're putting their money where their mouth is. Like I think Clay in the the chat said it perfectly. Like I'm not gonna quote what he said, but good luck trying to find a twenty five thousand dollar added event. <laughs> How often are they're those working happening? on a million dollar purse? When I talked to Kareem yeah. out of Vegas, that I know was something that privately that privately you went in and, and yeah. told me. So guess yep. what? If, if 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 I'm sitting in that spot, you think I'm gonna want those ungrateful guys who never showed up and supported us starting off to go and play in that event? Yeah, you know, it's 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 well, not. You don't want to get into a situation where you're looking at it as a boycott. You're just looking at a situation where some guys are like, "Listen, this just is, this just doesn't suit me." I mean, I, I appreciate they're putting in the money and I appreciate they're having events, but you know, I like to have a decent chance to win. I mean, I, I work way too hard on my game uh, to flip coins with people, so um, I understand that part too. What I think is is. Uh, you know, there's there's got to be a middle ground. There's got to be uh, talking points that the players and Predator and CSI can gather around and just say, okay, you know, what kind of tweaks can we make without reinventing the wheel that give us what we want, which is a little more action-packed event, you know, action, a little more, a little, you know, a little more give and take there, and and say, players say, okay, let's let's make it, you know, races to five or six and best of three sets instead of the shootout and you know, a better racking system or something, you know, you look for some compromise to make I both parties happy. Feedback, Mike. I I'm sorry. I think they're going to take feedback, you know, I think well, they have to. They'd be well, if they let, let me jump in. Let me jump in here. Cause I was actually, I played in the Michigan event. In fact, uh, I played first round against Ronnie Rose, who's actually in the, the comments right now, which is kind of neat. Cause uh, you know, he came up to me and introduced himself and then we end up drawing each other. How exciting. Ooh. All right. So uh, I was in the players meeting and what they said in the players meeting for the Michigan event was that uh, they will be changing it next year. Bear with them for now on the format for this year. They're going to change it and just just write it out for now. It's going to be different. But the big announcement that they made and I, and I really wanted to get this in here was that they are no longer going to have twenty five thousand dollar added events next year. The minimum added event that they're going to have next year is thirty thousand dollars. The big event, the $50,000 added event for Puerto Rico is no longer going to be $50,000 added. It's going to be $75,000 added. So not only are they they getting blasted from the players who are saying, you know, this format sucks, blah, 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 blah. They are still adding to the calendar more events that are minimum $30,000 added next year. And they're still adding new events. And they're increasing the amount of money they're adding to it. So, like, how can you not get behind what they're doing? Like, if you want to nitpick the, the the format, fine, go ahead and do that. But make it make it constructive. Help them with it. Don't don't just say your stuff sucks. We're boycotting you. This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then just just go back to wherever you're going and never even pay attention to it at all. They're trying to make a difference. They're trying to help the industry. They're trying to actually make something sustainable for the players. Help them do it. Sign up, even if it's going to cost you five hundred bucks now to do it. Who cares in the in the future if they're if they're running fifty thousand dollar added events in the middle of Battle Creek, Michigan? I mean, come on, like that's real that's real money that you can live off of as a player. I just we, I, I don't we, understand. We don't want to go to Battle Creek, Michigan. No, we don't. No, we really no, don't. We don't. <laughs> no, no. I, I agree with but that these one. Guys but, go, these guys go to Louisiana for crying out loud. 
Yeah, that's that's <laughs> true. He's got a point Carolina. there. <laughs> hey, 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 Mike, I got a, I got a question for you. How did you uh, how did you describe the place that you're at when we started this podcast? What the I middle of nowhere, America. Is, no. that what, is that what you said? Yeah, is that kind of what right. you said? <laughs> so uh, let's uh, what? What? <laughs> it's true. I mean, hey, listen, it's tough, man. It's tough to go Hicken, travel. It's, Hicken, uh, South Carolina, isn't that where William the Refrigerator Perry was from? I don't know, Mike. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out something, something to go and do. <laughs> no, no. I, but, no uh, I mean, listen, but, I'm, I'm offering it, – it's a great time to pull. And I don't want to just, like, knock the players because it really is a fantastic time to pull. So I don't want to be just – like Emily may go and say, I may be a little negative at times. It's not. I'm just trying to be more realistic about things. But there has to be a compromise here. And I think that's what we're all in agreement with, right? Like, it's not a perfect system, but the players have to go and give to. And at the end of the day, listen, they're adding $25,000, dollars $75,000 added money events in pool right now. You know? We, got, we haven't seen that. Doesn't happen. Play, play, players and players and, you know, other people in the industry, like you know, doing whatever podcasts. I mean, we we have to have patience with this. You know, Predator are doing are doing the business. They're, they're they're trying to create something. They're trying to bring value. They're trying to the players are not. We just have, have a little bit of um, a little bit of uh, patience with them, and they have to communicate. Everyone has to get together and say, listen, you know, don't just sit there and slam it the entire time and say it's rubbish. You know, come up with solutions. Come up with ideas. Talk to well, each other. Well, I think that's that's a very important thing to say because, of course, the reason you're going to Battle Creek, Michigan, at the end of the day, is because they already have an amateur event there. So why would you? So if you already have no, the infrastructure for an amateur event, that that part is genius, right? Because what you're doing is you're marketing the players that you're going to eventually try to brand as a global yeah. thing. I mean, sure, it sucks to go to Battle Creek, Michigan, but at the end of the day, what they're doing is there are there are seventeen. There's 1,700, I think, is what they had there. There might have been a little more, middle, little less, something somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people that were going to be there. And most of those players are Joe Schmoes, who's never even heard of Shane Van Boning, nonetheless, Aloysius Yap, nonetheless, a Pius Labutis. Like these are the best players in the world, and they can't pick them out from a loaf of bread, right? So put these players in front of them, show them what real pool looks like, and show them how to act like a professional because these players are showing up. And properly addressed, they're properly equipped. They're they're acting professional at the table. Maybe it's because they're European. Maybe it's because it's a Euro tour. Who knows? My knows. <laughs> but uh, you know, they were all very professional. And at the end of the day, we have to introduce these people to the pros if we're ever going to have some sort of real pro tour that's, uh, I guess, supported by everybody, not just the pros, but the amateur players that bang balls around on the tables here and there. Like we got to we got to do that. Were the, were the amateur players, the 1,000, 1,700 amateur players in Battle Creek, were they there watching the pros play? So I actually, uh, I, I joined a, I joined the Sweat podcast yesterday, or uh, two days ago, and basically what I said was, or no, it was yesterday, but uh, and basically what I said was there was actually a pretty huge amount of people that were at Michigan that knew who I was, which was, like, pretty cool. But the idea is... Like they knew who the po- they knew what the podcast was, they they listened to it on on occasion or all the time, and what I saw was every single person that came up and introduced themselves to me, I saw in the arena watching those matches. There was additional people on top of it, so don't get me wrong, but every single person that I saw that came up to me was 
constantly in that arena watching people. Now, is that because they listen to the podcast and they know who the players are because of that, or, or is it because they're so engaged with pool that they want to be not only listening to content outside of it, but they want to watch as much of it as they can too? I don't, I don't know if it's chicken or the egg, but the idea is there was not a ton of people that were in there watching, but all the people who engage with pool regularly were. So we need and to figure out how to get people to engage more often. Well, I mean, everybody does their little part. I mean, you do your part, you get people engaged, you get people involved. Predator does their part. They have an uh, amateur event, you get people engaged, you get people involved. You know, it's it's not going to, there's no switch that all of a sudden tomorrow it's going to be, uh, you know, 5,000 seat arena events. Uh, so, you, you know, you take little victories you can, and everybody pulls in the same direction, and and we get a little further every time so that's what you have to uh, uh that's what you have to shoot for yeah actually i think uh uh mark vidal's point is uh it's really really a good one there did you guys uh have you guys had the chance of reading his comment yet i'm reading it so well i mean it's it's hard to hit it's hard to be heavy on top and then still have the suckers break even <laughs> Well, I think I think the idea is <laughs> it's kind of kind of asking I, for a lot. <laughs> I think I think the idea is uh, I think the idea is you're taking some money out of the pot for a second chance. I think that's I think that's what he's kind of getting at. If it if the entire prize purse has let's say twenty five thousand dollars added plus all the entries, let's just say it's fifty thousand dollars. I think what he's saying is let's take ten thousand of it, put it off to the side for the the um, the semi pros as he's putting them, and give them a chance to rise, rise to the ranks. Yeah. I think it's a pretty interesting concept, actually, because I'll, I'll say right now, if, if I'm, I'm not at a 740 Fargo, but I'm like probably the very lower end of what would be considered a semi-professional player. And like I would have zero chance of being able to go to any of these things and make a living at this. So if I can't go to the touring spots and I can't play in regular events right now, how in the world could I possibly ever make a living and rise through the ranks to become a middle of the pack to maybe even a low tier professional player or a low tier to a middle of the pack professional player. I mean, it's a real conversation, I think. No, I don't think it is really. I don't think, I think, you, I mean, in order to become a professional at a sport, and this is not, don't get me wrong, this is not a dig at you, Nate. This is a dig at, dig at anyone that's even at, at, at my level, you know? Well, if this is exactly your level, 740 Fargo. Yeah, that's it. And I, I, would, I wouldn't be able to become a pro. I'm simply not good enough. That's why I have a Fargo of 740. I play in events where some of these big guys are in it. Occasionally, I can beat one of them. But there's a reason why your Fargo is that level. And it's not because you're not earning enough money with the sport. It's because you're not good enough. And you have to accept then that you're just a, an amateur, a good amateur player. Yeah, but well, at good. the end of the day, Jim, I think you're looking at somebody who's, if if not peaked, has peaked or is going to peak very soon with your career, right? I think uh, Mark Vidal is kind of getting to the point where, like, the next tier of players, like, because let's let's look at somebody like a Devin Poteet or, um, you know, even even really, I mean, honestly, like a Chris Reinhold or a Tyler Steyer, they're right in that 740 to 760 Fargo rate, mm -hmm. where it's really hard for them to make money at this game. But you can't you can't possibly tell me that Devin Poteet or Tyler Steyer or Chris Reinhold are anywhere close to peaking in their career, yet they have to grind through the struggle now. Yeah, of course. Everybody does. It's called paying your dues. This, exactly, yeah. it's called paying your dues. If you want to earn money, you beat the big guys. We're not we're not creating something. This is not a this is not a participation sport where everybody gets something. If you want to well, win something and you want to create create, a, I want some orange slices. Then Jim, I want win. some orange slices. Practice, practice, and be the best. So just to clarify, I can't get any orange slices. You get nothing. <laughs> you like it. 
<laughs> All right. I'll, I'll take the loss on this one. Uh, so um, I guess, Mike, we, we, we talked quite a bit about the format. Is there anything? Is there any other aspect of it that you wanted to talk about since you kind of brought this up to begin with? Uh, no, no. I, that was, I just wondered what everybody's thoughts were on it because it's obviously something that the players are talking about and it's obviously something the Predator is going to have to evaluate uh, going forward. And, and like we all agree, there's got to be some kind of middle ground that everybody can reach for the players to understand that they're getting a great opportunity here and for Predator to be able to get what they want out of their sponsorship, which is to create something new, something different, uh, you know, create an event that brands them. They don't want to just be Matrooms, you know, stepbrother. They, they want to be their own brand, their own entity. And, they, and if it's if it's ten ball events and it's the Predator Tour, then you know, let them figure out what ways they can develop to, to push that brand the way they want to push it. And so, you know, they're trying something a little different. And I and what I really respect is they're not changing it in the middle of the year because everybody's pissing and moaning. Yeah. Uh, so it's like just ride it out with us, and we'll make changes for next year. Good for you. That's what you should do. Let them take it to Europe. Let them take it to Europe, and then you'll hear more complaints on on this side. Or better yet, let them go and take their ball and go home, and then you'll have them at the house complaining about these, you know, thousand dollar added bar table events they got to go and attend for for the whole yeah. year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I mean, that's, that's a real thing. They're all shouting and shouting for, for, for a number of years now. We need a professional tour. We need a professional tour. We need a professional tour. There you go. There's a professional tour. It's not perfect, but it's something we can work on. No, rubbish. Oh, yeah. Not doing it. Not playing. Oh, well, great. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> let, so let me jump. Let me jump in right here, really quickly. And um, okay, so I, I want to have this broader discussion, but I don't know if we want to have it today. But it wouldn't surprise me a bit if the Texas Open, Derby City Classic. Uh, all of the turning stones, you know, name your the Mez tour, like the the big the big West Coast tours. It wouldn't surprise me a bit if all of those tournaments are gone in four years. And that's I want to start it out with that. But think about this: Matchroom has now has six six events on their calendar. They added a seventh in the UK Open. They now have seven. I'm here to tell you that they're adding another one the year after that. There's going to be eight Matchroom events in 2022. Predator now has a minimum of, I think, I want to say it's like 13 stops or something like that between the U.S. and Europe next year. You have 13 Predator stops that are a minimum of $30,000 added, and you have seven matchroom events, and we all know about the matchroom events. Where is the space for all these other tournaments, which I'm okay getting rid of personally. Let me just start right there. But how amazing is it that we're going to have 20 events next year that are a minimum of $30,000 added in pool. Isn't that, a, isn't that awesome? It is, but I think there's plenty of room for everybody else, and I think it, it, it actually affords more opportunity for everybody else. Because Maybe those not, are those semi-event tournaments that uh, Mark was talking if about. The, yes. If you have the World exactly. Cup next week, and I want to stake your tournament the week before and add 10000 to it, believe me, everybody's going to come to my tournament and get stroked for the, for the big tournament the following week. So there's plenty of opportunity for these other events to, to feed into these bigger events. Also with the matchroom events, you're not talking about a number of events which are, you know, smaller field, invite, that type of thing. So it's not just a lot of people who, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter to a lot of players in the U.S. that, that there's a World Cup of pool because they're not playing in it. You know, they couldn't get it in it. They couldn't buy their way in. So, That's true. Um, so there's still going to be plenty of opportunity for other events 
uh, in the U.S. And, and if they're smart, they'll find out way ahead of time what the schedule is on these events that are going to happen, like the Predator events and the, the Open Mantrum events. And you, you coattail the front of it or you grab something on the back end of it and, and stage a tournament and you get plenty of action. Yep. But I, I, think think what, I think what you're going to end up finding is you're going to have 17 different tournaments that are trying to fight for those spots. Yeah, big dog wins. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, we're not even talking about stuff like South Carolina, right? I mean, that's a great tournament that Mike's at, but, you know, that's going to take a backseat. Even if $50,000 added, that gets spread out quite a bit. Or like a white diamond classic or, you know, the, the super billiard tax stuff not, like that. Everyone's got to coordinate one another, man. Like, we're all trying to get the same goal here. Right. you yeah. got to coordinate. Promoters got to go yep. and coordinate with one another. Yeah. Everybody and, uh, needs to talk to each other. They, they can't be trying to do their own thing and fight against each other, trying to block each other. You know, and they have to talk to each other. And if you and if and if you want your if you want your tournament or your event to survive, you better be on you better be on side with Matchroom and with the Predator rather than go against them because that's going to get you in the shit. <laughs> because you're going to lose that battle. You know. Yeah. Uh, and just really quickly, Justin Mason, uh, the the Matchroom will never. And this kind of goes to all three of the the last three comments. Um, Matchroom will never do multiple tables because there's no reason to. The point of Matt, the point of what Matchroom does is they're, they're highlighting a tournament, right? When, you, when you're watching golf, you're not watching every single hole, a stream on every single hole. What you're doing is you're watching one, one person, you're watching one stream of the entire event, and then you're finding out little things here and there. But the idea is like Matchroom will never do every single table because they want all of the eyeballs on one broadcast that they could take that one broadcast to and go to all these sponsors on TV and say, this is our product. We're getting one million viewers when Judd Trump is on, and this is what we're marketing to you. This is our package. Give us your money, your ad money from Rolex, BMW, whatever the, you name it. They, they, you know, they can get it, but they're not going to get it from thirty thousand dollars on this stream, sixty thousand on this one, a hundred thousand on this one, four thousand on this one. It just doesn't work that way. They have to get them all on one thing so that they can take that one stream and sell it to big companies. Um, and I, I think that's that's what they're doing. I mean, they're they're a production company. They, they know what they're doing. And I think that kind of touches on Ben and Eric's comment as well. So, um, I guess th- does anybody else have any thoughts on that before we move on? Nope. We're good. Let's move on. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move over to the Predator. Uh, the Predator Ten Ball. We have a brand new world champion. Congratulations to Eklund Kachi. He is the winner of the Predator World Ten Ball. Nayuki Oi gets probably his best finish ever. Um, I can't imagine. I know he's won a couple of like uh, all Japan Opens and stuff like that, but I don't think that that I think that fails in comparison to a runner-up at a world uh, world ten ball event or a world championship in general. So Nayuki Oi gets second. All Japan's are no joke. Oh yeah, they are. Those are tough fields. Oh yeah, they are. But uh, a world championship, I think he would he'd tell you that that I think is. Yeah, uh, Johan Chua and uh, Aloysius Yap get third, fourth. Jason Shaw, Conrad Yusjishin, Carlo Biato, and Shane Van Boning get fifth through eighth. And the final 16th is rounded out with nine through 16th. And that is uh, Bader Aladawi, Alex Pagulayan, Marco Teuscher, uh, Christopher, can't see his last name because it's too long, Billy Thorpe, Omar Al-Shaheen, Oscar Dominguez and Jerson Boza. So another great field. It's, this is a 64. You have to qualify to get into it. So everybody that's in there is plenty deserving of being in that field. 
Uh, I guess the big takeaway for me in this event is that Shane Van Boning destroys everybody in the field that he plays against all the way up until he doesn't, and then he gets blown out. And I'm going to say that this, this year right here was his best opportunity to get uh, a world championship, and he missed all of his opportunities at this point. So I, I, I'm not sure if Shane Van Boning ever gets a world championship. We've already talked about this in the past. We don't think that it's needed for his uh, for his career and for his legacy, but I'm sure if given the opportunity, I'm sure he'd like to have one. It's I guess. Who said that? I never <laughs> said it wasn't needed. Who said, who said that? Oh, we've talked about I'll it on the podcast it. before. I'll say it. Oh, come on, Mike. Come on. No, absolutely, I'll say it. You gotta have a world title. You gotta have a world title. Come on, man. Come on, Mike. What is he gonna have? The world straight pull title that he got from old Charlie? Come on now. <laughs> well, uh, that's my big takeaway. Does anybody else? Does anybody else want to expand upon that, or do they want? Do they have their own well, way that they want to go? Another, another, just another you're, European you're, world champion. There you go. Shut up, Jim. <laughs> Get out of here, Jim. You're nuts if you think Shane's window is, is closing because I've been hearing it no. for years. Yeah, no. He's washed up and he's not yeah. playing any good, and yeah. and he doesn't care yeah. about pool. And maybe and maybe his priorities have changed a little bit. But guess what? I'm gonna bet on him every time, every tournament. I don't care who he's facing, what the format is. I, I, I only say this was his. I only say this was his best opportunity because there was very few Taiwan or Chinese same players. Thing at the, we said the same thing at the World Championships. The yeah. match from hell. We said the exact. The next same year, thing. China's oh, back. This was this was his only. This was his only chance. And whenever China was there in twenty, what was it, twenty fifteen? He he got to the finals, back to back years. I think that was an accomplishment. I mean, that was phenomenal in my book, yeah. getting to back-to-back finals in, in, in those fields. Come on, now losing to Albin and Kopenyi, I mean, there ain't no shame in that. I, I think that he's still got game. He's going to continue to have game. He's got an intimidation factor that nobody else has in this sport, not even a filler right now. After beating Chang, you should hear the, the, the amount of players that are still, that are top-tier players that talk about that match and, and what Shane did, how remarkable Impressive. it was. Yeah, he's, he's still revered by everybody, and he's still going to be a threat. Yeah. I'll, I'll never go and say it until he goes, I guess, 2-0. <laughs> you know? But I do. But unlike Mike, I do think he needs it. As a fan, I want to go and see him get a world championship. I do. Oh, as a fan, I want to see him get a world championship, yeah. too. Yeah. I want to see him get seven. You know, I'll still argue that <laughs> his, his legacy is not going to be tarnished. Tarnished, no, but it will... It, no, not tarnished, yeah. I feel, I feel it just it just cleans everything up. If yeah, and there's, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. But I mean... Then the discussion's over. Then it's done. Then nobody can say anything. Then he's then he's won everything. I, I agree. He's agree. the modern effort, though, right? I mean, yeah. that's what he is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've talked to a lot of pros that will not put him on uh, their Mount Rushmore, the, the four greatest players of all time. And the the reason that they cite is not because they don't think he's deserving. It's because he's not a world championship. Yeah. He's not a world champion, right? I'll, I'll till I'm till I die. I'll say that, there, that there's. I don't know why people obsess with the word world. And you get into golf. You know what they have? They have the Masters. They have the Open. They have the U.S. Open. They have the majors. That's what you want to win. You go into tennis. They have Wimbledon. They have the French. They have the Australian. They have the U.S. Open. They don't. They don't get themselves bogged down with something as silly as world. We got to have world. There's one. There's the top in the world. You know, it, it's to me. It's it's a great tournament to have, and it is, you know, one of if not the best tournament uh, in the world. You want to win that, but 
it, it's it's just another great tournament. I, I always say U.S. Open is is every bit as big as the World Championship always has been, and Shane's got five of those. Okay, so you take those five against Albin Ocean's two World Championships. I don't know. I think Shane's legacy is bigger. So, well, yes, I think that's a little bit. I think that's a little bit unfair, though. Putting because because Shane is not being compared to Albin Ocean. No, no, I'm, Shane I'm is not, being compared this to is, the, this. Is no slam on Albin. I'm just talking about World Championships worth versus major championships. To me, I look at people's major championships. How many of those big international titles did they win? Okay, if the world's one of them, great. God bless you. If the U.S. Opens won them, great. God bless. If the internationals won them, the the tournaments that you know that all the best players are there and they're tough to win and they're something that the players uh, really want to have on their resume, then to me a lot of those kind of get lumped in the same basket. Um, and again, I go back to the golf and tennis. they don't they don't obsess with the word world because it's it's pointless. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think. Um... I think it ultimately comes down to the, the, the correct analogy would be like you go through all of your residencies, you go through all of your schooling and you go through everything to to become a, a doctor. But you never you never pass that last test for all intents and purposes. You're a you're a doctor, you're a medical doctor, but you don't have that MD behind your name. And I think that's kind of what we're talking about with Shane. Like he goes through everything. He's go through every step, but he doesn't have the world title. He doesn't have the world champion behind his name. I, I mean, listen, the, Joy, Joy, <laughs> Ryan came, Joy, Joy Ryan came in the comments and said, I'm, Come on, Joy Ryan came in the comments and said, I'm always bashing on Shane. I'm 100% not bashing on Shane. I would like, I want Shane to have a world title specifically so that this discussion gets put to bed. You know, I would love, I was I, I kind of rooting for him to win one, uh, the, to win the, the, the last match from World Championships. When he was getting close, I'm thinking, you know, Maybe we can just stop this now. Shane can snap this off. Of course, him not being a world champion will not diminish what he has achieved and what he's done. But there is always the discussion. And the discussion is done if he wins one. And I think, like Mike said, I don't think he's finished. I think he's still got chances. He's, he's, he's always going to be good enough. If Shane, Bumbo, if, if Shane turns up at a tournament, it doesn't matter what tournament it is, He's got a chance of winning it, and that's going to continue as long as he holds it. Uh, continues to turn up with a cue in his bag, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, and Mark Vidal was on there saying, "Yeah, uh, all the second places." I'm sorry, for me, second places don't count. I don't care how many second places somebody has had, you know. And the players don't care about it either. They want the titles. It's as simple as that, you know. Uh, we've got a guy now who's just snapped off the, uh, done the double. You've got an argument that winning the U.S. Open and World Double. Is is that better than two world championships, or is two world champions better than a U.S. Open and a world championship? You know, if you want to c- compare Alvin to uh, Carlo, you know, for me, winning one of each is better. So, if winning one of each is better, then winning five U.S. Opens, you'd probably rather have it split between world titles and U.S. Opens. <clears throat> no, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, like Shane Van Boning's on my Mount Rushmore, but I talk to a lot of professional players who do not put him there, especially the European players, because I think I think the Europe weights uh, World Championship significantly <laughs> higher than the U.S. Hold on a minute, but you know what? They're not doing. No other group of people is going around and talking about them. Nobody the way that they do Shane. 
No, exactly. It says enough that we're having the conversation. The, the conversation is continually happening because it's Shane. You know, the guy The guy is, I mean, I'm out, I'm out Rushmore. I mean, you've got some people that would just move it, some, move it to somewhere in London. Hey, he was on Billiards Digest cover with Mount Rushmore, so it's already been it's it's, it's already been solidified. This is a moot point. Tell them where they can tell them where they can get a copy of that, Mike. Yes, we're out of copies. Shane bought them all. (laughs) Hands about as his local grocer. All right, all right. Let's move on from that. Is are there any other topics that uh, I mean? Congratulations, Declan Kachi becomes a world champion. Um, I mean, he was he was ranked number one in the world when he was twenty one years old. And I think if you'd asked him if he's number one in the world, or if he was even number five in top five in the world, he would have said, "Heck no." I, I, I think if you hooked him up to a lie detector when he was ranked number one in the world, he'd say he's not even top five in the world. Just a guess. But now he's actually making a claim for really moving up into that elite, elite top five tier player in my mind, at least. Um, I've, I've actually had him there for a little while. But what do you guys think about that? What, what do you think this puts Eklund as far as? Uh, top players in the world now that he's a world champion. I, I think he's, I mean, he's got a, he's got a, <laughs> of course not, Mike. <laughs> he's, got a, he, he's, he's got a big break. He had a great run. He's a monster. The storyline is fantastic, man. I mean, you basically, you can't travel for, for a whole, you know, year and a half or whatever it was, have, uh, get to the airport and aren't allowed uh, in certain places. <laughs> it was a really good chance that he, he wasn't even going to be able to make it to Vegas because he pulled out of the diamond event right before um he kind of lends himself to be kind of ridiculed with his tattoo <laughs> you know um but listen he backed it up man his first event back and he snaps off the world championship you know and as much as i think that shane's legacy is fine without a world championship it doesn't go and take away from the fact that he's a world champion like it's, yeah. it's still a big deal that there's a world Absolutely. champion being proud in, in, in kachi i think it uh helps his argument for the moscone cup but is he playing in top gear right now? I don't know. I don't, I don't know like what gauge to go, like how to go and, and rank that. I don't think he would want to go and play Shane, you know, for money in nine ball. I don't think he'd want to go and play Shane for money in ten ball right now, you know. So does that make him number one in the world by ranking? I guess maybe, but I don't know. I'll say this: uh, Shane made the comment or made a post on Facebook or commented on somebody. It basically said like, uh, you know, I beat Dennis and I've now beat Chang. You know, who who else is going to play me? And then he said, dot, 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 probably nobody. And Eklund commented on that, basically saying, slow down now, pal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, no, maybe, maybe it's a match, we'll see. Maybe it is a match, we'll see. Go. I mean, it will be 10 ball, 100%. Hello, Mike. <laughs> Who's this new Mike Pinozo coming out here? I love you. <clears throat> the one thing, the, the only thing I had to the World 10 ball was it's the first event I went to in a year and a half. And I saw a lot of guys. I'm still pack- recovering from you going I, to that event. I saw Thank a lot of guys much. packing. I saw a lot of guys packing the COVID twenty, and that when they came walking into that room, I'm like, wow. A lot of these guys spent the spent the lockdown cleaning out their fridge. There's yeah. some guys. That need to, there's some guys. I feel need attacked. To get, some guys. Need I feel to get attacked. Guys need Mike, to get I feel attacked. Relax, relax, Mike. Relax, there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I saw a few a few photographs on Facebook of people yeah, thanking people, like, thinking, "Oh, you've uh, mm-hmm. yeah. put on a couple of uh, Sto- Corona kilos." The stories were the stories were great, though, man. Always not just a great interview. Chua, after being locked down for eighteen months, comes back and has heartbreaking hill hill losses the way he did. 
yeah. the way that Yap stole basically America's heart with his sportsmanship and his class and his skill. I mean, so many great things, so many players that are just showing themselves on the on the world stage. Well, you, so I yeah. thought it was just phenomenal. You mentioned Nate uh, Christopher, and you didn't know it's Christopher Ocampo, who you're trying to think of the last name for on that other person finished in the final 16 he was one of two players from peru who finished in the final 16. they don't even have pool tables in peru they're all three failure tables (laughs) yeah yeah, because they don't have the opportunity and here's two of these guys come over here and finish in the top 16. there were just a lot of really cool stories to come out of vegas yeah yeah it's been been an amazing it's been listen it's been an amazing couple of months yeah and it's still going as well international open 21 days i mean another great event yeah. Absolutely. God, is it really right. 21 days? Oh, Crazy. You might get a couple of hours sleep in between. <laughs> it's been sweet. Yeah, uh, Mike, Mike might sleep from now until then. Who knows? <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's let's move on from that then, and let's uh, get into our next topic, uh, which I guess we've already talked of uh, South Carolina, so let's talk a little bit about Tony and Alex. Uh, they've Unless played. Going into Moscone no, selections. let's do the Moscone. Let's do the Moscone. Moscone. Okay, yeah. Let's, all right, we'll do we'll do the Moscone Cup selections. And I know that uh, somebody on here is very passionate about um, Max Leshner getting skipped over due to basically the Championship League pool. So uh, basically, uh, David Alkaidi has been announced for the U.S. and no, or, sorry for the Europe. Sorry, <laughs> and then Sky Woodward for the U.S. No, no surprise you wish. there. Yeah, you yeah, wish right. Exactly. Exactly. That'd be okay. So David Alkaidi getting announced for Europe, I think, is a, a bit of a surprise. Of course, it's on point, so maybe it shouldn't be. But um, Sky Woodward is no surprise at all. I don't think we need to talk about that one at all. So let's talk about David Alkaidi. Penoza, you're uh, you're the big head. Why don't you start us off? <laughs> uh, I have no problem with David Alkaidi. I think he's he's great, and, and he's you know can't believe this is only the third time that he's going to be on the Moscone Cup. He's such a solid, consistent player, um, you know, and such a great guy. I have no problem with there, but um, I do have a problem with the whole points list. Um, and you know, it's Matchroom's ball; they can take and go home. They do whatever they want with it. So it's just a, it is just a talking point. And hopefully, Emily's watching and or listening, and she'll post again, and we can goad her into coming on the show again. Uh, but the last person who uh, wished that isn't isn't on this podcast right now. Yeah, there's Mike <laughs> Mike calling her up. <laughs> yeah, Demetrius. So, Demetrius is still off licking his wounds from that. I think. <laughs> so you know, when they first came up with Matron first came up with their points list a year or two ago, the idea was to essentially get other events and other promoters to step up their games with tournaments and prize money and get more players to participate and then make this big universal point ranking system that would feed into the Mantrum events. And I understand it because of COVID and the shutdown and lack of events, whatever. They kind of shifted gears and said, we're going to go opposite direction. We're going to go from our events out. Okay. But when you take a, uh, you know, what were, what were there in the uh, Predator Championship League, what were 18, 19 players total? all invitations, and you use that for points to determine what European player gets the, the pick, to me, just not fair. I mean, I'm sorry, Max Lechner didn't even get a chance to play in that. He didn't get invited. And they invited Christina and Kelly and Yasmin. No problem with that either. This is your and event. Even, and you and want, even Chris Reinhold. Yeah, you know, Chris Reinhold. Right. You, you want to get these, you know, a couple of women there, you want to get 
different countries represented. I understand that you already have yeah, you already have Yasmin and and Albin, you know, so Max Blechner gets off, but he get penalized for that. You know, when you look at the events that they do have on there, World Pool Masters, Lechner finished fifth through eight, David finished ninth through sixteen. U.S. Open nine ball, Lechner finished fifth through eight, David finishes ninth through sixteen. Um, World Pool Championship, Lechner was five through eight. David was third and fourth. Okay, so they're like neck and neck. Now David gets in because he gets all these points from the classic, from the championship league pool, and Lechner didn't get a chance to play. And this isn't about them in particular. This is just about two players. One had the opportunity and what didn't, one didn't, and one gets left behind. Now Max, you know, he could still make it as a as a captain's pick. He won't, but he could. Um, we can bet that. But but it's but it's kind of you know so it just um, again I don't have a problem with David Alcade at all and and again it's, this is match rooms games so they can do whatever they want I just thought you know I just think it's, it's not fair I wonder you know did you guys notice that when when they were going by the points list and does this make any difference to you guys I'll say this uh, before before uh, anybody says this that decision not to invite Max to the Championship League pool probably cost him forty thousand dollars. Yeah, between sure. between money at the Championship League pool and the Moscone Cup, or just the Moscone Cup. Forget they shouldn't have used Championship League pool as a as a points thing, whether Max got invited or not. It, it, to me, nineteen players, you know, half of whom aren't even in Europe, uh, doesn't doesn't equate to something that I would feel comfortable using points with for a determination on who gets a chance to play for thirty thousand dollars on the Moscone Cup. Yeah. Mike, you want to go for it first? I mean, he he um, he earned being invited because of his performances in the Whirlpool Masters. That's what I think about it. But I'm a Max Lechner fan. I think he's been the best player in Austria, not just. I think he's been one of the best European players, along with being the best player in Austria. I remember two years ago when I told him, I said, "Man, and this is at the World Ten Ball." I said, it's pretty brutal because I think you're the best player, but you'll never get on the World Cup because of how much chemistry Mario and Alvin go and have. And then I think that year they ended up uh, snapping off the World the uh, uh, the World Cup of Pool. Um, it's it's the short end of the stick, Mike. You know, it's, it's not fair at all. Uh, it is no knock on David. I think Max is probably playing better. I don't want to say probably. Max is playing better than I think players who are going to end up getting picked for Team Europe. I think they'll get picked for for other reasons, um, but it's an all like it's an all around package kind of deal. And Max knew that he was up against it because he's kind of the afterthought of, of Austria, the afterthought of, of a lot of things. Um, and it's unfortunate, but I think he's playing a phenomenal pool for the last two and a half three years. Jim, this is your backyard, buddy. <clears throat> All right. Um, yeah, what Mike's saying, it, it was saying it's, it's, it's correct. You, you could look at it as being unfair. Uh, but if you look at other sports, there's also invitational events in other sports that, that get a lot of ranking points. And there's only eight players who are uh, in line to get those ranking points. If you look at the in tennis, the ATP uh, finals at the end of the year, the top eight performing players over the year get, involved, uh, get invited to the ATP finals. And they all win ranking points, regardless of their performance here. So when the new ranking schedule starts after the ATP, the new, then there's eight players who have a head start against the rest. 
And if you want to get into that top eight, you're going to have to outperform those guys. Not just outperform them, but outperform them by the minimum amount of what they actually got for free at the start of the year in order to jump over the top of them. And it's maybe a little bit the kind of the same thing for, for players like Max against the players like like the Al-Qaeda's and Jason Shaw, Fillers, the guys that are going to get the invitation to the to the, the matchroom events that are the invitationals, to the Masters, uh, to the, the, the Champions League pool. In order to get above them, you're going to have to outperform them by a decent margin to get yourself into their spot. You want to have their spot, you know, and you want to be the one that's getting invited. Um, there's a snooker player that recently, I was talking to a friend of mine, and... Uh, this guy was kind of a struggling amateur and then all of a sudden he won a couple of, uh, no, golf player and he was a struggling amateur. He won a couple of events, uh, very uh, uh, fortunately or low events, but they, they gave him enough prizes that he then got invited into other events and he said, once he got there, you're not struggling anymore because you're guaranteed points. You know, you're guaranteed the points that you get just because you're being allowed to play in these events and it works like that in, in all different kinds of sports. You have to, you know, if uh, as, as a player who needs to, who wants to break into those top, you know, the matchroom group, you're going to have to win something big, you know, to get in there. And Max hasn't done it yet. I'm not saying he won't, but um, he's, know, he's very, he's, very, very, very close. A yeah, but he's not. He's he's not the guy yeah. that's guaranteed an invite to all of them. He's not. A, right. He's not an Albin or a Shaw or a Filler or a, you know. So these guys do have an advantage because they are going to get invited all the time. They've earned that right to be invited and to have those advantage-free you know, ranking points. It works in other sports like that as well. Is it fair? Has Max kind of had the short end of the stick because of, because of the system? Like that? Yes, of course he has, but he's not the only one that's had it over the years. You know, yeah. It's happened to others before, you know, and it'll happen to others in the future. Penoza, what do you think? I just wondered whether that was a Nick Vanderberg reference. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I listen. I, I understand there's arguments both ways, and it's always a, it's always a good discussion, uh, the Moscone thing, and and uh, um, you know, I just felt really bad for him in particular. Uh, but again, I say to me, it's it's not about whether I think Max should be in and David shouldn't. I just think that the opportunities weren't equal, and I didn't think that that was kosher. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. I, one one thing it does do is it makes it makes life slightly easier for uh, I th- personally I think it makes life slightly easier for Alex and Carl because uh, Al Qaeda would have been one of those guys that would have been looking that they'd have been looking at for a wild card. So that's yeah. Well, you can shake your head if you want. I'll I'll tell you now. Al Qaeda was one of the guys that was being looked at for a possible wild card. So that's one less player that has to be um, in that pot that they have to pick out of. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. I'll say this. So I, I, I get accused a lot of being a, uh, a matchroom and a predator apologist. And I also uh, <laughs> no, really? look at I as being a, uh, a US, a team USA hater. Uh, and I would like to consider myself a Team USA realist because I look at the the performance that we put out there every year, and it's not very good. Um, the only thing that I would say about this entire discussion, I, I can't add anything that you guys haven't already said. The only thing that I would want to add to this is that it's really a bummer that – because I, I actually agree with uh, Mike in this. I think that Max Leshner deserves to be on this team, and I think he's plenty deserving of being on this team. It's a bummer to me that even even 
Europe doesn't have to get their team right to win. The U.S. has to get their team perfect to win. Team Europe doesn't. So there are, there's almost never going to be any sort of repercussions for not getting it right. And oh, Mike, ask, ask Alex Kazakis how he feels about that. They need a lot he more took, than to get took, their team perfect. He, to go he got in. tortured for two years from European fans. Well, I don't, I don't think that that was just Alex Kazakis. I, I think I, I, that was, that was pre-Eklund uh, uh, really stepping up and being a contributing member too. I mean, it mostly went on to Alex Kazakis, but Eklund wasn't playing great then either. I mean, but, but at the end of the day, like, I think it's, um, I just think it's a bummer that uh, team Europe can basically do whatever they want. And it's, it's, they're really, they're really starting from a pretty big advantage when it comes to the Moscone cup. And Mike, I don't know, Mike, are you agreeing with me by laughing or are you like, (laughs) (laughs) they're up against it. What else can you say? I mean, it's going to be tough either way because of because Europe is so deep. There's always guys who are going to be left out. Look at Francisco Sanchez Ruiz. Look at Dennis Grave. Look at probably what end up being Kazakis after winning a World Pool Master this year. Fedor may not go and make it in after he finally got through. I think there's a lot of guys who are going to end up feeling left out, but that just shows how competitive and how deep Europe is. Yeah, and, yeah, and we're not even talking about like uh, you know a lot of legends who could still probably get in there and play, like the Darren Appletons or. Uh, Nick Vandenberg, like was said earlier, I mean, he, I know he was making a comeback and playing some pretty top pool. I don't know if he's, he's probably not playing anymore, but, um, you know, he had, was working towards a comeback. But There's a lot of players. And it's a, it's a lot tougher. It's a lot tougher this year. Yeah. And even tougher yeah. last year uh, for, for somebody to break through into the Moscone Cup team because there's only these two qualifying spots. Jim made a good point. He doesn't make very many, but he made a good point here. <laughs> we better highlight him when we can. You, you got to go and win something. So it's not just going yeah. in deep in events over and over again. You got to go and win. If you look at Shaw, if you look at Filler, they they've won before. Mm-hmm. So I mean that that you got to be a winner to go and get on that team. Yeah. Not just being great. And Fedor, yeah. you know Fedor's won. And, and and winning relevant events too. It doesn't do you any good to win a you know a World Eight Ball t- Championship or you know the even maybe even the the World Ten Ball. It doesn't do you any good, right? You got to win events that are. You got to win nine ball events. Yeah. Really, you do. And you do. You got to win nine and, ball events, and prefer, preferably in the matchroom arena on that table yeah. in front of the cameras. And that's good. And then you see who the real the guys are. You, if you're talking about bringing a rookie in, you want to see that he can perform on that table under Absolutely. those lights yep. on the television. Um, and that's where that's going to make, that's going to make you a proper uh, Moscone Cup player. Now, if you've only got two qualification spots and you've got three wild cards, now Alex Laley's not an idiot, you know. He's not going to pick a rookie. Why would he? Why would he throw a rookie in? It's never going to happen. So, I mean, I agree that I'm looking at some comments. I, I agree. Dennis Graves could have, could easily have been on the Moscone Cup team already in his career. Sanchez Ruiz easily could be in there. There's a host of players that could easily have been in it, but they're never going to get picked as a rookie. It's not going to happen. They're not going to get a wild card as a rookie because there's too many. There's too many players who have already shown on that table and in the yep. match room arena that they can do it and that they're a, they're a guarantee to go out and perform, even, even on a bad day, at a level that's going to win points. You can't gamble on somebody who's never done it. Yeah, why take a risk when you... With there only being two qualification spots, it was always going to be tough for anyone, anyone new to get on the team, you know, which is why I personally think that the team is going to look very, very similar to uh, what it has done over the last couple of years. 
uh, Al-Qaeda comes in and one of the players from last year's team goes out and the other four are the same. Can I say who it's going to be? Who might that be, Jim? <laughs> he's been he's been mentioned already today. <laughs> well, it's because we've named the entire team yet. So. <laughs> yeah. Yay for knowing already. All right, let's move on. Uh, I guess I guess is there anything else in that uh, this area that we want to discuss? I, I think what, what you guys think for the for the other three uh, USA players is there a clear cut choice? Tyler, Chris. I, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, Tyler, Chris, Oscar. That's who I want to see. Yeah. No, Billy. I don't think, I don't think that's going to be your three, but, um, you know, Shane, you know, you got to think that they're going to pick Billy again uh, for various reasons. I mean, he did perform pretty well in a couple of tournaments this year, and he's their emotional If he's available. Guy. Uh, if, if he's available, yeah. We'll just say uh, that. If, if Billy's available. Yeah. Oh, you're, you, you're, you're determined not to talk about it, aren't you? <laughs> no, well, I'm, I'm not determined not to talk about it. I just, I, I, I don't, don't do necessarily. It. Don't, don't do it. Yeah, don't. I'm not it. going to. So, but like, so, you know, so we I'm don't know. We don't know anything. I'm assuming nobody knows anything. So, um, yes, we don't know it, anything. It's, it's, you know, you got to assume that, the, that the, if they had their druthers, if they have it available, they're gonna pick Billy. Then you got the last yep. two. And Billy Tyler me, Chris. Which to me is is between Tyler. Chris, you know. Actually, I'd like to see Oscar. I'd like to see Oscar be in there. Uh, yeah, I'm. You know, I, I love Oscar to death. Uh, I'm just kind of still thinking that, you know, you got to keep going young, um, yeah. and get these guys to seasoning and to training. Uh, they're gonna need, get, get them used to playing in that atmosphere uh, because they're going to be your guys for the years coming ahead. Uh, Laura Burke says better Jeremy start, better start getting used to him now and getting him in there now. I mean, that's what Mark Wilson tried years ago when he, you know, when he they gave him the Moscone Cup and all of a sudden there was Justin Bergman and Justin Hall in there. Nobody knew who Justin Bergman was. Now everybody's like, oh, they're not going to be anything without Justin Bergman. Well, that's that's what you got to do with these young guys. You got to throw yeah. them in there and uh, let them take their beatings at the beginning and and hit, let them get used to it. I think uh, Jeremy Jeremy Sosi's ship has sailed after he didn't go to the U.S. Open. I don't think he has a chance of getting in anymore. Yeah, one was, one event. impressive at, at World Championship, but yeah, you got to keep, you you gotta keep showing yeah. up. It's got to be yeah. more than one event. Yeah. You got to show it in a couple. To yeah. I hope uh, I hope Chris uh, Chris Reinhold now, as he's called now. I hope he gets in again. I'd like to see how he. I thought he performed quite well last time, but without the crowd. So uh, I'll be interested to see how he does with a crowd in there now, because uh, that's the real Moscone Cup, and then you find out a lot more about your about your, your rookie players or your new guys coming in, your inexperienced players. Yeah, yeah. when you have a drunk and belligerent Jim Helper screaming at you. <clears throat> well, I say he, 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 he proved 50% of what he needs to prove, you know, that he can that he can play on that table, that do it with the crowd there. You know, that's yep. going to be the, the difference. Mike, yeah. any comments? Uh, I'm, I'm completely biased. And, uh, <laughs> I want Oscar. You. I, 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 want, Oscar. Uh, I want Oscar. I'd like Oscar I as well. Oscar yeah. on the team. I think he's been playing great, but he didn't go to the U.S. Open, so I know it's hard to go and get him on that team. Um, I think that the drama is not over yet when it comes to uh, Moscone Cup picks, to say the least. Um, and I don't know. I think I think there was a lot of guys who had opportunities to go and take the bull by the horns. Um, I was I was going and barking for Tyler to go and make it, and after the way he didn't perform the last month and a half, I don't see how 
I don't see how they can go and put him on that team, to be honest with you, because he's just come up a little flat, you know, in my opinion. Um, yeah, he, he has not been playing good pool the last couple yeah, of years. He's, he's got to perform all of the international. That's it. I mean, if he, get, if, he, if he gets in, it's going to be purely on the basis of yeah. the two Moscone Cups that he performed well in and that they won. And that's too long ago yeah. now to, to, to pick somebody for because he really hasn't done much since well, then. Well, yeah, but I mean, to we're Jim, not, we're to not be fair, Europe is, Jim, you know? to be, I was going to say, to be fair, if, uh, if he gets in, it might not be because of the way he performed. It might be because there's no other options. <laughs> right. Yes, it could be a default. Don't, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. The second, do second Moscone Cup, he didn't perform in at all. Well, okay, but yeah, yeah, he still finished team, 500. Winning team. He finished 500 still. He didn't play no, well, but, I mean, but he like, still he won. Look, he won like, three and lost three. I know he gets dogged on a lot for playing bad. He was up against to go and make Team USA this year for a number of different reasons. But like, yeah. you have to go and play first. Like, you have to go and perform. You know, and I think he had a, I think he had a bunch of losses at events that were just like head scratching. You know, to me, um, and he wasn't even on the radar. You know, but I think he did perform good, you know, two years ago. Um, and yeah, we'll see. Keep uh, keep uh, Facebook refreshing on Match and Pool. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, it should be. I mean, I spoke to I spoke to Alex um, not so long ago, and it should. I mean, I, I I guess the first announcement should be coming out any time now. Really, uh, I think uh, if uh, I think Matchroom may even have have the information already from the captains. They may already know who it is. I feel like um, after the international, I feel like both play, uh, both coaches will take till after the international till they pick their final fifth player because that's that's a real tournament that you can get. Yeah, you're, talking four, you're, you're talking about four weeks. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Of, they've done it before. They've done it before. Yeah, they, that's how Jason yeah, Chicago got onto the Moscone Cup two years ago. But now, especially for, especially for Team USA, they Maxim have to know who their team is very, very quickly to make sure that they can get the, the travel commitment and everything and everything organized. It's not something that can be done last minute in the situation. Well, where you can get two players ready for it, right? Well, you have, they have to. They have two ready for it now. Well, well no, I'm saying, I'm saying that Nate, Nate Mindham will be there. That's waiting, right. Waiting in the wings. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm playing on. I played Michigan. I thought I had a pretty good performance. I won one match. You know, I think I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get into that arena. You know, put it this way: I, I, I think Matchroom have already got four European names. Shall we say? I agree. I think they already have five. Maybe. <laughs> I think all of y'all are gonna get in trouble if y'all start. If y'all keep on talking. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on. Established that she's not watching because she didn't react to Mike earlier. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's get moving on. Let's talk about uh, Michigan next. Uh, the Michigan tournament, uh, like uh, it was already described as a Euro tour, basically. <laughs> but uh, Aloysius Yap finally breaks through in, let's say, Western Pool and gets his first win. Uh, Aloysius Yap beats uh, Roberto Gomez in the finals. Mario He and uh, Oliver Solnaki get third, fourth. Fifth, sixth goes to Conrad Ustishin. Ustishin. I'm getting better, but not on the fly. Uh, Lian Hanto, uh, Dennis Grava, and Eklund Kachi. And then ninth through 16th goes to Torsten Holman, Fedor Gorst, Pius Labudas, uh, Victor Zol. Victor Zilnitsky, Mika Eminen, John Mora, Kang Lee, and Alex Kazakis. So lots of European names in there. Uh, basically, actually, all of them are European except for maybe six. Uh, 
I guess it's a Euro Tour. The, the 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 European players that are hanging out till the International Open need something to do, and this was a great option for them. So. I guess uh, my big takeaway is that Aloysius Yap finally breaks through. He's been placing high, and he finally gets uh, a win. That's the big thing I take away from it. Uh, any of you guys have anything that uh, you guys want to highlight? Mario, he, another afterthought of the Moscone Cup, who I think should be on, played phenomenal, continues to play phenomenal. I feel, like, I feel like Mike has like 17 players that are supposed to be on the Moscone Cup. <laughs> hey, I mean... It's tough, man. People <laughs> always say, like, they can go and make six teams. I mean, they really they, they really could. Just um, about. No, but, yeah, I mean, Yap was phenomenal, no doubt. Roberto, though, Roberto's kind of had a history of missing, like, you know, balls in, in big moments, you know, whether it's match room or tournament play or whatever. And to see him come up a little short but then to follow that up with the win here at the Diamond 10-ball event was, uh, was pretty awesome. Um, so congratulations to him. I think it's just pools wide open right now. That's my biggest takeaway, that anybody can go and win it. But then there's also guys who are being consistent. So, yeah, I'm just – I'm enjoying it. As tired as I am and as tired as I look, I'm really having a ball. <laughs> Get that guy an espresso. Jim, what do you think? Yeah. Um, listen, as with Asia, they, they can, you, people can have a bit of a – be a bit disappointed and call it a Euro Tour. But, uh, you know, the players that wanted to play it turned up and played in it. And it, it wasn't a European that won it in the end, so – yeah, um, I, I don't know. I don't know how much to take from it. Like you said, it's it's kind of a bit of a gap filler for the players. You know, so you never know with these tournaments exactly how much effort they're putting into it or how much they really, you know, how seriously they're. Taking. I'll tell you what, Jim. If you're getting to Battle Creek, Michigan, you don't know anything about Michigan. If you're getting to Battle you're, Creek, Michigan, you, what, you are trying as hard as you possibly can. The, that tourist, place. the, the tourist board of Battle Creek, Michigan, are going to be suing your ass. <laughs> I'll, tell any, what, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Any, tour, any tourists that we're planning on going there, I'm just cancelled. <laughs> you you want to know what uh, you want to know? What Battle Creek, Michigan is known for their crime rates and Kellogg cereal. That's it. <laughs> hey, breakfast is important. Most important meal of the day. Absolutely. All right, uh, Pinozo, what, what you got? Oh, you muted yourself. What a rookie move. What a rookie. Every move. time, every time, Mike. Not muted. Now you aren't. <laughs> okay. I wasn't before. I don't know why it was. Oh, nobody could hear you. But what I was saying, <laughs> what I was saying was that the, the, the lawyer for the tourist board is going to have to get behind the lawyer for the tourist players. <laughs> we, we, we caught it, but just barely. Your, your audio is going in and out. Oh. That's, that's too bad because it was a really good one. <laughs> try, try it again for the third time. <laughs> no, I was just saying that, that the lawyer for Battle Creek's going to have to get in line behind the lawyer for the Polish team the way you've been pronouncing their names all day. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's just Conrad. Yeah, no. It's, um, it, it was great to see Yap win, uh, and it was disappointing to see not as many Americans in that field. So... Um, that's my takeaway from it. Yeah, it actually, it, it, it is sad to see that there's a, uh, I mean, Kang Lee, uh, he is from New York. Um, I'm not sure if he's an American citizen. I just met him, I guess, in Vegas. He's a really, really, really cool dude. Uh, a lot of fun to hang around. I don't know if he's an American citizen or if he isn't. I'm, I mean, I'm just throw, showing my butt there. Well, if, uh, he is, so, if he is, he can get on the Moscone Cup team, probably. Yeah, possible. Uh, so uh, he was in there. 
um, in the final 16 and that's it. So, and I'm not even, to be honest, I'm, I mean, I could reach out to him and ask him, but, um, there's, there's no, there's no Americans in the final 16, 53 players. <laughs> there's a couple dead money, uh, dead money Americans that were in there like me. Um, <laughs> other than that, I mean, not much. It's uh, it's sad. And from what uh, somebody said that there's no Americans basically signed up for Ohio either. Yeah. That's so not surprising. But to, I mean, if I mean, I'm trying to think of the international, like the international open, how many Americans are going to sign up for that? Cause I'm sure there's going to be way, 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 way more foreigners than there are Americans for that. Well, they're, I don't know. They're at a hundred and over 120 players. So you know, if you, if you go 128, you know, it's not going to be more than more than half Europe. Well, not- between Asia and Europe, I mean, for a standard year, maybe not this year, but like a standard year, I bet I would bet. Yeah. yeah. For a standard year, I bet there's more than half the field is international. Yeah, it could be. Just a guess. I don't know. Um, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, first place for this. I'm not sure why you wouldn't show up. Twelve thousand dollars for first place. It's not bad, is it? I mean, no, that's that's great. Uh, second place is eight thousand two hundred. Four thousand two hundred for third, fourth. Two thousand for fifth, eighth. 800 bucks for 916th. I mean, that's break even. If there's 52 players in this, 800 is, you know, you're going to need to make a little bit more than that. Probably, probably a fifth eighth is a break, you know, profit. The break even is probably 1200 bucks or something like that. 800 bucks for 9th through 16th in a 52 player field. I mean, I just don't see, I don't see why that's not enticing to American players. Yeah, the race to four is whatever. Getting to Battle Creek is not easy. It really isn't. Um, so that's, I mean, that's inconvenient, but like, Man, it just seems like these should be supported a lot more, and they're just not. It's well, we should start shaming players on the uh, on the podcast. All right, that's uh, Molina, Mike's. That's his job. Come on, Mike. Start shaming players. Uh, Come on. I, no, I ain't doing that. Yeah, they get on board. I don't know, man. We've already beat that horse, though. I mean, yeah, that's the thing, man. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Yep. You know, I don't want to keep on beating that horse. Yep. All right. So the the only the last two things that we want to talk about, uh, we'll we'll talk about this one really quickly uh basically i think this might just be a discussion between molina mike and myself because they're one pocket uh tony versus alex um alex ends up winning 36 to 29 uh and that was winning five straight to close it out uh tony was kind of chasing the entire set uh he kept on getting within three four five and then he'd lose back out to eight or nine and then he'd get back up to four or five and then he'd lose back out to eight or nine and he got it to thirty-one twenty-eight. Uh, the thirty-one twenty-nine, I think, is actually what he got it to. And then uh, Alex wins out. I mean, I honestly thought Tony was gonna. Tony's confidence going into this, I thought he was gonna win it. He he thought he was gonna win this. And I mean, you can't go into these matches thinking that you're you're gonna lose. But like, he honestly wanted to bet as much money as he could get on this because he didn't think that he could lose. Mike, what's your thoughts? There was a lot of money. Something like eighty a man or something. It was a lot of money. Yeah. Um, for for me, my biggest takeaway was that um, I dogged it. Alex is still Alex, and uh, and whatever, whenever the bet's right, he can be Alex. So as as um, inconsistent as he's been since he came back from the Philippines after COVID, um, he can still move move phenomenally. And uh, I know Tony said he had a little bit of an injury. That was kind of hampering his mobility, um, but I don't know. Alex just looked like a better player to me, 
and, and, I, and I think that that spot isn't really a spot, it's more of a sucker spot, so um, it was pretty much even in my book, so Alex is the better player still, you know, Tony, I don't know if Tony will ever get there as, as number one, but Alex certainly has a case for one or two. Did he play really well? I mean, I didn't see it, but, you know, did, did, did he play like was, the old Alex? It was four-inch pockets, and he was firing them in like he's on a valley, Mike. I mean, it was incredible. Like, and, and I hadn't seen Alex go in pocket balls like that in, since he came back. You know, and with pers- he, he made it look. And his cue ball was not so good easy. either. His cue ball yeah. when he was running racks, when he was running balls, like uh, when when he needed to lock somebody up on a safety, like when you're going back and forth trying to you know it's create yeah, scoring opportunities. So. Yeah. I mean, his yeah, cue ball was Tony really did. good. When his cue ball, when yeah, he was trying Tony to like go back and squeeze, like. Though. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, like, when, when Alex was trying to, like, just create himself some scoring opportunities and he was trying to, you know, win those safety battles to get the scoring opportunities, his cue ball was pretty pretty dang good. But when once he actually had an opening and he was starting to run balls and he had, you know, nine and out opportunities, his cue ball was not good. It was not. And he was still firing. In. I mean, he, he didn't miss balls. I mean, he didn't. And his cue ball was not it was not 2010 Alex. His cue ball was loose. That's what, that's but he what did not miss balls. Can do, though. They can beat yeah. you. They can beat you so many ways. Yes. You and know? Alex did not miss balls. Once he had a scoring opportunity, it was it. I mean, he was he was running out. I mean, it was it was. I mean, I, I was the same way. I, I mean, I've been a little harsh on uh, Alex. I think over the last basically year, basically because I mean, when you get to tournaments, he he hasn't been doing it. He hasn't been winning tournaments. Uh, he got second uh, back-to-back or won one of them, I think. Uh, I think he won the Midwest Open and he got second the weekend before to James Aranis uh, yeah, in Philadelphia. For, it, it's hard, though, man. You can go play for 30000 any night of the week in Vegas whenever you want, you know? Like, how? explain to me how it's hard, how it's easy to go and get up for a tournament where you're there grinding and grinding the way that you have to. You know, one match a day here and then you're playing, you know, three matches on the back end of it when you, if you decide to go deep. You know, Especially if the tournament's at a casino, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I, I said nothing. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, uh, I, 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 my conclusion's the same. Uh, I cut him short. I, I, I thought, I, I mean, I did say in uh, my one-pocket ratings, I got to see it before I remove uh, Alex from the, from the number one spot. Um, so my, my heart was telling me to keep Alex. My head was telling me to pick Tony. And, yeah. So so I guess in the grand scheme of things, well, let me actually say this. I I, you ever, I, I was on a podcast yesterday, like I said, and uh, I, I said this. You ever see those, uh, those, those posts on Facebook where you're like, which celebrity death hits you the hardest? And, you know, you think about it. And you ever see those? You guys know what I'm talking about? This right here was the one pool match that hit me the hardest. Because Tony was on the podcast, and he said that if he wins this match, one, he's going to be giving Tony, or uh, he's going to give Alex a chance at his money back even. So we missed out on that match. But before he said that he was going to do that, he said he was going to give Dennis the same action. He is getting 9-8. So we missed out on oh, two needs, more. He needs 9 No, he still needs 9-8 from Dennis for sure. And I don't know if he... Oh well, well the there. point is, is the point is, is now that now that now that uh, now that Tony lost, we missed out on both of those matches. You know, I'm sure he'll try to run it back that. with Alex at this point. I still would love to still go again. Tony can Tony can get staked in Louisiana playing yeah. it the same way. You know, that's yeah. the only way he'll be able to do it though. Yeah. 
Yeah, maybe, and hopefully we do. But like the idea of getting to watch two more matchups where Tony beats Alex the first time and plays him even, and then plays Dennis, like oh, that's 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 great. I I, I wanted to see that so bad, and you know maybe we still will. Who knows? I don't know. But uh, we were guaranteed it before, so I guess uh, the last thing that's on our uh, radar that we're going to talk about really quickly because it's happening next week is uh, Devin Petit and Fedor playing one pocket, and I I don't. I just don't see how this is a thing. I I just don't see how Fedor ever loses this. Has uh, he ever Mike, played one pocket? I, I don't I don't <laughs> no care. Idea. Mike, no okay. All right, Mike. All right, so Mike, go ahead. If the bet's high enough, I like Devin. If the bet's not high enough, I'm going with Fedor. And that's all I'll say. So, but no, I mean Devin. Devin's a really underrated one pocket player. He's of course, he is. Good as, as good as as good as Warren. Um, and whenever he was making the rounds over the last two, three months, he's been going deep in rotation events here in the States and in one pocket events. So Devin can go and play. Again, I don't I don't see how it's going to be. I, I don't know. It's hard to wrap my head around it. I don't know how much I'll be watching, but Brendan and um, Team Players Club, they do a phenomenal job and help support guys as well. So, you know, I'll throw my 20 bucks at it. Um, but, yeah, I mean uh, – I don't know, man. It's it's kind of. We'll see. If the bet's high, though, I like that. That's what I'll say. I get, the way the way that I look at this match is is very similar to the way I look at um, uh, Joshua Filler and uh, Tony Joanne. You know, Josh and Fedor right now, maybe they're playing pretty close to about the same speed. If if one of them's better than the other one, it's not by a lot. It's by you know a little bit here and there. Uh, but are you going to say that uh, Devin is in the same level as Tony? Because Filler beat Filler beat Tony. And Filler didn't know anything about one pocket when they played. No, come on, no. You're, 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 you're talking apples and oranges. Here. Yeah, you can't. No, that's that's yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Two Maybe all, all I'm all I'm saying is we've yeah. seen an elite striker who doesn't know a lot about pool play against a one pocket player. And Fedor Fedor ain't banking the ball like Filler is. Nobody banking the ball like that. That's European, you know. And no, and at that time, Filler was shooting straighter than anybody on planet Earth. Like anybody on earth, he was shooting straighter than whenever he played Tony. And Tony was was aggressive with his cue ball and was trying to be too, you know, for the cameras. You know, that's what got Tony in trouble. Tony's supposed to win that match. And he, about, I guarantee you, Tony would go and play for big, big money today against Filler. I mean, big money. I mean, they played so, again in Vegas and Fedor, or uh, Filler won again. I mean, it was only a race to five, but Filler won again, 5-4. Yeah, Tony don't care about no $1,000 a game or a $5,000 set. I don't do nothing for Tony. That's a that's a first quarter bet for him. <laughs> <All basketball>. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, that that. All right. Um, I yeah, I, I I don't I don't see it. I mean, I I would. We'll see. I I just filler hits the uh, Fedor hits the ball super 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 strong, and we'll see. I think. I mean, uh, have you have, has anyone seen Fedor play one pocket before? Yeah, he's no, played a little. Yeah, he's, right. he's been playing pretty good actually. Yeah. No, I've never seen him. Yeah. Like, he, he, he moves like my grandma. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he's going to run out every time he, he can. can run, he, he can run ball. Yeah, well, that's okay. okay. Yeah, that's you can't leave him open, that's but you true. can't do that with anything yeah. else. I, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I can't call this. Um, I don't know how strong Devin is. Just never seen Pedro play one pocket. It's only 20 bucks. Throw, go support Devin and what they're – I mean, uh, uh, Brendan and what they're doing out there, and everybody go tune in to the Players Club yeah. next week. Mike, anything that you want to add? Way to... 
No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I mean, it's just, you know, I'll throw 20 bucks. There. It's not, it's not you know, the sexy matchup that I'm looking for to spend, you know, a day watching, watching pool. So, you know, yes. it, it's great that these guys are having these matches and they're being streamed. <laughs> there's some money being thrown around, but uh, like I said, it, it's, it's not going to pull me away from, you know, watching my murder. She wrote reruns. <laughs> oh, priorities, Mike. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll be talking about Alex and Fedor later on. They don't play for a couple of weeks, so uh, we have that on the radar. We'll talk about that when the time comes, but um, it's not really on the uh, on the docket right now. So I guess that that uh, that finally gets through everything that we had to talk about. It's Two, four, six, seven whole topics we made it through Marathon today. And I think today. we had some pretty good stuff along the way. Yeah. Was so hoping, uh was hoping for an Emily appearance, but no go. Yeah, bummer. Maybe <laughs> well we got Jim, that's the second best option, right? That's right. Oh wait. I don't want Jim on top of me. Go back down there. All right, there we go. I'm, go. I'm holding both of you up now. Yeah, you got it, bro. You you can do it. We have faith in you. We need it. <laughs> All right guys. All right, boys. Fun. Well, Mike, keep Great. an eye Appreciate on uh, how Jeanette plays out there. I'm anxious to see how yeah. she does. Keep yeah, make sure to go live and I'll everybody go over and follow Windows Open. In fact, uh, before we tune off, let me uh, let me by, get the link for no, that. No, I'm sure they'll have her on the stream. OmegaBillions.com. Go buy the pay per view. I'm sure she'll be on there. They're gonna be, yes, uh, uh, yeah, great. They're, they're gonna be showcasing it a lot. So go support. Of them course, but on top of that, people need to follow you because we need to uh, we need to get your updates as well. We need the analysis. Yeah. Appreciate but if, if you don't if you don't want us to go follow your page, we don't have to. Should I take it down? <laughs> yeah, please. No, no, no. You're good. You're We're good. good. We're okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you guys need to hug it out. <laughs> Air hug. All right, boys. It's been good. All right. An hour and a half. Yeah. I got to get to work. Good enough. Yeah. All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you guys uh, next week. Cheers. everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you've liked what you've heard and you want to contribute to the future content that will be made, consider joining the podcast's Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash queue it up. Becoming a Patreon of the podcast will help to create all of the future content that the podcast will have. Special shout out to Dave Peters, Aaron Taylor, Pete Silsby, Morgan Lupton, Ben Young, Robert Miller, Andy Morse, and Bill Pelham for your generous contributions to the podcast's Patreon. If you ever need any more information on what the Patreon system is or how you can contribute outside of the Patreon, please reach out to the podcast or Nate himself. If you would like to contribute to the podcast for free, consider sharing any podcasts or the podcast page on Facebook itself. Also, leaving a review and a rating if you listen through iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with another episode of the Cue It Up podcast.